1: Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All-America Podcast. My name is Bill Troche, Senior Editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, Lead College Football Writer at SportingNews.com. We are recording this Tuesday morning, December 13th, and uh, the news has spread, unfortunate news out of Mississippi. Uh, Mike Leach died at age 61, Mississippi State coach, former Washington State coach, former Texas Tech coach, According to Sports Illustrated's reporting, um, Coach Leach was at a um, ReliaQuest Bowl practice on Saturday. Uh, Mississippi State is preparing to play Illinois in January in Tampa. And then um, went home, uh, attended a holiday party Saturday evening somewhere in Starkville. Was there for about 45 minutes. The host um, was quoted as saying, you know, seemed in good spirits, that type of thing. Went home uh, Saturday night. Uh, And I read he um, had a medical emergency on his couch, was out for 10, 15 minutes, uh, eventually had to be airlifted to Jackson, Mississippi Hospital uh, and was there all day on uh, Sunday and I believe passed away Sunday night. And the school and the family released a statement uh, on um, here Tuesday morning, uh, the comment from his family, we are supported and uplifted by the outpouring of love and prayers from family, friends, Mississippi State University, the hospital staff, and football fans around the world. Thank you for sharing in the joy of our beloved husband and father's life. Uh, So, Bill, I'll let you take it from here. You wrote a nice tribute on sportingnews.com on your, your memories of Mike Leach and the influence he had in the college game.
2: Well, the college football world's worse off today. I, I love personalities, obviously, and we're going to talk about another one in a later podcast with Deion Sanders later in the week. But I mean, Mike Leach was everybody knows that has the greatest hits, right? Like, which one is your favorite? Mine is probably I, I enjoyed when he ran down the mascots in the Pac 12 and said if they had a mascot battle royale and just his stream of consciousness thinking. But, um, you know, I, I interviewed him, as I detailed in the column, once in 2015. And I just, Bill, I just remember building up the interview in my head, like, this is going to be wild. This, I, you know, where are we going to go with it? And it was actually a pretty straightforward conversation about football. But when I went back and listened to it, it was amazing. I mean, it went long. You normally get, what, like 15 minutes when you get a coach during the season. I think we talked for 35. And um, it was great. And I, w- I think I asked three questions maybe two and it was <laughs> that was the best part is you you let him go and you didn't know where it was going to go and but to me and and I looked up some things yesterday his impact on the game
3: mm. and
2: throwing the football and in 21 seasons his teams led the NCAA in passing attempts 17 times and finished no lower than third to me we always talk about army and navy and what a game that was and the triple option this was the inverse of that that hey I'm gonna throw it 60 times and I loved it because it it trickled down to every level of football an innovator a pioneer um and and he brought excitement think about where he brought excitement to Lubbock Texas Starkville Mississippi Pullman Washington where they I don't they weren't necessarily must-see TV all the time but when you turned it on you're like hey they're gonna throw it 60 times and it's gonna be fun to watch
1: Yeah, there's no question. And just an incredibly brilliant guy, right? Right. And, you know, he got his uh, law degree. He went to BYU. He was not a football player, right? And then, you know, when he got out of law school, I I uh, read a brilliant uh, obituary written by Andy Staples uh, at The Athletic. And he went through his background. And it really is just Amazing. I mean, he coached in Finland at one point uh, before he, he got started. And eventually he hooked up with Hal mummy uh, at Ohio Wesleyan. And, and they shared these offensive ideas. And, you know, eventually he has he has touched pro football, college football, high school football, junior high football with these concepts that, you know, you read. People say they're not overly complicated. They drill them, drill them, drill them. And they find open, you know, the air raid attack is about finding space. It's about pressuring the defense and finding areas where you can exploit and having your team master those concepts. And when they do, you can make up for a talent deficiency or you can
2: accentuate your talent advantages. No, you mentioned, you forgot fifth and sixth grade football. I pulled it down there last year (laughs) when I was uh, calling some plays uh, for a little bit and, uh, or not calling plays, but helping out. Um, We spread them out we spread out and put four kids. I think you learn it at that age and then you get it to the junior high and you see it work. It's, it's cool. This is where the game has become. It, I think as I put, he, it wasn't a pass first offense. It was a pass all the time offense. And yes, you can mix the run in, but that's how he succeeded at Texas tech. And, you know, you remember the Michael Crabtree year and that's how he succeeded at Washington state. And if you look at the number of, 4,000 yard passers he had. I mean, I went through and, and did that list. It was honor holiday, uh, you know, Sonny Cumbie, Cliff Kingsbury's in the NFL. Now uh, Lincoln Riley was an assistant under him. You see his very, everybody has a variation of the air raid now and he stayed true to that. And I mean, it, just like I said, I lo- I actually added up his, his teams passed the ball 13,945 times in 21 seasons. And it it was an average, you average that up. It comes up to 664 times a season that they would throw the ball. And I love it as a guy that is proponent of passing the ball and those kind of things. Um, So, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, He was a lot of fun. He was great for the game. College football develops personalities like that. And, you know, like I said, everybody's got their favorite leech, you know, monologue or whatever you want to call it. But there were so many good ones, it's impossible to pick one.
1: Yeah, the, uh, and his coaching tree. Um, I'm looking at Pete Thamel's tweet right now. Lincoln Riley, which you mentioned. Dave Aranda, fairly successful. Sonny Cumbie, current head coach at Louisiana Tech. Dana Holgerson, we've all seen his career take off. Uh, Seth Luttrell, North Texas, did some great things. Art Briles, Baylor. Did a phenomenal job before things went sideways. There, Neil Brown is at uh, West Virginia. Josh Heupel uh, played for him, uh, and now he's turning Tennessee around an unexpected top ten season. Sonny Dykes is in the playoff at TCU in his first year. He's had a highly successful career. You mentioned Cliff Kingsbury uh, with the Arizona Cardinals. uh, You know, had a little little bit of an NFL career, and uh, now is uh, as a as a backup quarterback. And uh, Now he's been successful, Ruffin McNeil, uh, East Carolina for a while. So, I mean, it just goes on and on. It really is amazing. He's the number one. He's number one at Texas Tech and wins. And he is number three all time and wins at Washington State. So you don't see too many guys um, in the top three at two different schools. And, you know, it's a shame he doesn't get a chance to climb the ladder further at Mississippi State.
2: Well, and – I remember when he went to the SEC, everybody was asking, will it work? You know, will Leach's it, – it, I don't think it mattered if it worked or not. It worked in the first game when they played a defending national champion LSU. And <laughs> yeah, they did. They, they threw, like, for an SEC record, you know, passing. And um, I, I would say definitively it worked at every stop. Because if you look at Kansas – or not Kansas State, Texas Tech before and after, they still do the same things, but they never played Texas in primetime – for number one in the country uh washington state they had a couple seasons there where he pushed that program up um mississippi state i it would have been interesting to see a couple more years of it you know i don't know that they would have ever won the sec west but they were always you know they won the egg bowl this year they've they've competed for bull games and and that's the toughest division in sports so he proved it worked everywhere so there's no questioning his way worked and um It would be interesting to see how many generations that evolves too. I mean, like I said, this the game is now. I would say the NFL is where you see it now. I mean, when's the last time you've seen an NFL quarterback under center?
1: Mm Yeah,
2: been a while. And and this is the game now. It's a pass first, pass all the time game. And you know, Mike Leach certainly contributed to that.
1: No question about it. And he he you know apparently was suffering from um, some heart issues the whole season. Uh, had some pneumonia towards the end of the season. Uh, gutted it out. His assistants had asked him to take a few days off. He wouldn't do it. Uh, they did win the egg ball. He was excited about the egg ball. His quote after the egg ball, when the when the team was uh, hoisting the trophy. Uh, was that uh, he needed to invent 12 trophies because that seemed to motivate his team uh, with the opportunity to lift a trophy at the end of the game. So he wanted trophies for all 12 games and see if that could help his team. So, yes, you said it very well. Uh, college football is not, not, not as fun of a place today as it was yesterday uh, with the loss of Mike
2: Leach. Well, so, and, and I feel ahead. real quick, just like I, the comparison I made to him is like your body – That if you're sitting there on your couch at nine at night and I do this all the time with mine is like, Hey man, what is Wilt Chamberlain better than Michael Jordan? Or is this band better than this band? Or is this, you know, he, obviously he had thoughts on candy corn, for example. And uh, (laughs) um, I've done those conversations. I'd be like, dude, this, this is gross. And I feel like he would have been the perfect person to just text that to. And I'm sure he had plenty of people that he did that with where he would be like, you know, this or this, if you got the answer from Leach, I, I put the tweet about his tweet on cats, like his mind wandered everywhere and an offensive genius, good, you know, good colorful person for the game. And, you know, hopefully that legacy lives on in 61. I, I'm just going to say that too. 61 years old. That's far too young. And, uh, you know, just my condolences to his family and everybody around him. Uh, it's a terrible loss.
1: Yeah. You know, comes on the heels of, you know, sports, illust- former sports illustrator, Grant Wall dying at, at 48, which is just, Another crazy tra- sports tragedy, like within within the same weekend. So, um, yeah, we will try to to move on from there. Um, we'll, we'll talk about one of one of Leach's proteges, Lincoln Riley. Um, we'll, we'll shift gears to the Heisman Trophy. He uh, coached his third record, third quarterback, his first uh, college coach to have three Heisman quarterbacks, um, and then of course, it's going to be it was Caleb Williams. Uh, winning the Heisman Trophy in New York. You can reveal your ballot now that the uh, announcement has been made. Why don't you go through your one, two, three? And uh, I'm curious to hear, you've voted for what, five, six years? Have you always voted for the guy who ended up winning the trophy?
2: The only year I haven't voted, I voted for the guy that didn't win it one time. And it was when I voted for Tua over Kyler. Okay, And that was a tough one. That was the last one that I felt like was, Remember, Kyler kind of stole that one. Not stole it, but he was building momentum toward the end. That was the hardest one where I like couldn't decide. This one, it was a little easier. Um, I definitely voted for Caleb Williams first, like most people. That's not a earth-shattering thing. I just think the playmaking ability, bringing the Trojans on to the cusp of the playoff in year one, voted for Max Duggan second. Um, that's probably not also a surprise because of what he did at TCU and how he represents the Heisman. Where... Where I had, I struggled, and this is where most writers, you know, when they revealed their ballot, you saw the debate. I think, this is where the debate was. Was it Stetson Bennett? Was it Hendon Hooker? I did vote for C.J. Stroud, and I can justify it because I think the pushback on that. There, I considered all of the following. I considered Stroud, Hooker, and Michael Penix. Those were the three that I was doing in my head. I was like, well, you know, Hooker did get hurt. He had. He was the one that was really strong. Michael Penix elevated Washington. But with C.J. Strada, to me, there's this notion that he padded stats and against weak teams. I think that's not the full story. He had one bad half against Michigan, and he didn't really have a bad half. He threw for 300 and some yards. Um, he was dominant. He was more accurate. He was efficient. He led the nation in efficiency. He has the Buckeyes in the playoff. If they beat Georgia, wait till you see the turnaround on the narrative on C.J. Stroud, Bill. It'll be, <laughs> oh my gosh, he's the number one pick. And if they lose, it's, oh, he's terrible. He can't beat Michigan. He can't win big games. But I thought the the whole resume for C.J. Stroud, You know, I saw him at Wisconsin against Notre Dame, Penn State. He had a great season. So to me, it's not, if you want to say C.J. Stroud isn't third, that's your right and your ballot, and that's fine. I'm, I'm not going to pick on what everybody else did, but I just – those were my three, and it took a long time on the third. Honestly, one and two was easy.
1: I would have pushed for Hooker at three, and we had our um, maybe even two actually. I, you know, we'll, we'll go over our All America team and some of our debates uh, later on. But uh, I just thought, given the supporting cast, given how he elevated his team little bit like when you you vote for coach of the year and it's like all of a sudden you usually vote a guy who's you know picked kind of low and then all of a sudden his team does way better than you think I applied that logic a little bit to my Hendon Hooker argument where like Tennessee was not expected to be very good and really he was the one that elevated that team he made Jalen Hyatt into a superstar and he you know had 31 touchdowns and four interceptions or something like that and he only got hurt for the last game, and it was against Vanderbilt. He played all the good teams on the schedule. He put up big numbers, even when they got beat by South Carolina. The, 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 the loss, had, you know, kind of ruined their season, if you can say a ten and two season was ruined uh, for a team that was picked seven and five ish, you know, type of thing. So that was my argument for Hendon Hooker. I understood Stroud. Um, he was surrounded by a lot of talent, but that that, that doesn't make it easy. And um, all the time. And, you know, you're right. He had one bad half. He did not play well against Northwestern, but that was a weather-related situation. And, uh, you know, they won every other game by double digits. Right. And I don't, I don't think uh, Ryan Day was, was um, feeling like there are a lot of other quarterbacks he wanted in charge of his team.
2: Well, and, and that's the my pushback on people that are – well, Stroud shouldn't have been there. I'm of the opinion that Hendon Hooker should have been in New York anyway. I don't care. He finished fifth. Let him go. Like, he he had a great season. My The only pushback on Hooker that I had was, yeah, he's great. Did he tilt the field against Georgia, though? Not really. He got hit a lot. He didn't – like, he wasn't like – Has anyone? That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> we'll see if Str- – now, if Stroud goes out there and lights them up, well, he tilted the field LSU in the second half down 35. That quarterback did. Uh, but, um, no, that's my point. It's not – so – if you're going to say that Stroud had a bad game at Michigan, you have to say that Hooker didn't play well against Georgia. It's the same concept to me. I mean, that that same tough opponent. and But again, I would have been cool with Hooker being three or four. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. That's, that's a great pick. And I didn't really have a problem with Stetson Bennett being there. I mean, I know some people did, but you know what? He's quarterback on an undefeated team, plays well against ranked teams. I don't care how old he is um he's had his own journey and he's a lights out quarterback so but again the Heisman it's it's fun to vote on at the end of the day they got the winner right and you know we can debate the other candidates all we want but I was comfortable with my ballot and you know it's always a privilege to do that and we'll do it again next year hopefully it'll be uh I like the years when you have a Joe Burrow whether it's like yeah that's my pick and if you debate Joe Burrow uh yeah you uh that's your problem
1: there is no debate, exactly. Let's let's look ahead to next year, okay? I told you before the show, I'm, I have, I have uh, four pairs of, of players, and I want you to uh, – you're not prepared for this. I want you to tell me who has a better chance of winning the Heisman Trophy next year, player A or player B? And I'm going to go down uh, four matchups here, all right? Okay. Number one, Caleb Williams versus Drake May. Who has a
2: better chance of winning it next year? Oh, Caleb Williams, right? Well, it's pretty hard to repeat. It is. I mean, but I mean, Drake may... In fact, it never happens, basically. I mean, that's the thing. Bryce Young... (laughs) Bryce Young was in the driver's seat. They had the preseason
1: number one team. He's the best quarterback in the country, and he didn't come close.
2: What if USC... I mean, because it it is interesting that Caleb Williams was the first guy since Lamar who didn't make the playoff. He obviously made a pretty good joke about it. That showed his uh, Mm -hmm. comedic timings pretty good, too. Um, I'd still say Caleb Williams. I think Drake may can do what he did at North Carolina, have a great season, but they have to win the ACC championship as like, or he has to set FBS records to do it. So those are like the minimum bar when you play at North Carolina and, you know, see if he can build on that. I'm glad he's staying though. I am too. He was legit by
1: eight week, eight week, nine week, 10. He was legit right there. And then obviously faded in the last few games, but, uh, He's primed for another good season next year without a doubt. You know, there will be a second season on the field. He should improve and like you said it's tough to repeat like we like we've seen over and over and over. All right. Second debate. Quinn Judkins, Donovan Edwards. Which running um, back do you like better? Those two guys put on a good show this year.
2: Yeah, probably I like I don't know that either one can win the Heisman because this is a Long running joke with me and our uh, fantasy editor at Sporting News, Matt Litovsky, where I'm like, How many yards does so and so need to win the Heisman? They need, like, m- even when Melvin Gordon ran for those yards, he didn't win it. Um, probably go Donovan Edwards. Uh, if Michigan continues to do what they do, if he has a Blake Quorum like season, you can see the big playability. Judkins is part of a pair, you know, and he'll be part of a pair next year, I'm sure. Uh, but he's he's tremendously talented as well. Uh, so what does that stat continues that the last the last non-Alabama running back to win the Heisman? Pretty sure this is true. The last, well, Reggie Bush, and then before him it was uh, Ron Dane. Wow, which is crazy. So wow. there's your there's your troche trivia for the week. Um, <laughs> if, you know, so you've got if you're not an Alabama running back, you better have twenty five hundred yards. Exactly. And uh, who
1: knows? Edwards has averaged over 200 yards since Coram got hurt. So He's maybe very good. he can do it. Um, third pairing, Quinn Ewers or Arch Manning? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Which Texas quarterback has a better chance of winning the Heisman Trophy? They both can I, can't be in the
2: running. Can I get a three year lease on this question? <laughs> um, no, I'd probably say Ewers next year because he'll, in theory, start um had a good year this year if texas goes 11 and 1 texas's quarterback is going to be there and uh you know so their last heisman winner is ricky and vince and colt got there so yeah i mean i I would go quen yours because as of now i think he'll be the starter unless something changes
1: yeah but a three-year
2: lease three-year lease i'm going with arch
1: that was the more or less the question who will start uh at texas and one more Kind of guys that will start definitely in those Heisman lists at the lower lower third of the top 20-ish, but uh, interesting debate. Michael Penix or J.J. McCarthy? Um, Michigan goes 11-1, and 12-0 again. He's going to be in the mix. Yeah, he'll he, in the you mix. figure he's going to have more freedom next year. He'll throw the ball a little more than he did this year.
2: Yeah, I, th- I would say McCarthy has a better chance because if Michael Penix did what he did this year and didn't get to New York – he has to do what he did this year just to get to New York, and that's hard to duplicate. He had a fantastic season. Um, McCarthy with the the huge games that they play in the Big Ten, the attention that will come coming off a playoff run. I don't know that they'll change their offense enough for him to do it, but um, you know, I'm trying to think. It's Michigan had a quarterback be a finalist for the Heisman in my lifetime. I think Denard was the last one that was even in the conversation. So uh Chad Henney maybe like, I don't think he finished top 10. So, but I would say McCarthy, if they go 13 and 0, win a third big 10 title and he's mm-hmm. the biggest reason why probably mm-hmm. go McCarthy.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think he'll, he'll be in the mix. I mean, he'll be on those lists. He should be uh when they start to come out in the spring. Um So we, I want to, you know, we, College football is besieged with opt-outs for the bowl games for non-college football playoff teams. But I wanted to celebrate some opt-ins. We got three quarterbacks who uh, have decided that they are going to play. They have NFL options. Uh, Michael Penix, who we just mentioned, for Washington. Bo Nix said he is playing in the Holiday Bowl. And Grayson McCall, Coastal Carolina's quarterback, who announced he is going to play in the bowl game, but is going to enter the transfer portal after the bowl game, which is a nice thing to do. And I wish that was sort of a a, a trend. Maybe that will start a trend. So um, good for them and good for college football, eh?
2: Yeah, you profiled McCall earlier this season. I've liked him since for the last two to three years. I've liked watching him play so efficient. And I want to see what he does at um, the power five level if, if that's where he goes, like, you know, there's a lot of power five schools that are going to like that hey, when you have efficiency, plus the ability to run the football, plus some playmaking ability. And, you know, if he stays healthy, he'll definitely be good, but love that he's sticking it out with coastal. Obviously the tenor of their program is going to change a little bit with a new coach, but good for him. Uh, Penix. I, I read on, I believe I read on social media that they, played his message that he's staying in school at the team banquet and they're going to be fired up. And that's great for Washington as well. And then Bo Nix, uh, another chance, like maybe one last chance to get some attention from NFL scouts for him, see if he gets a shot at the next level. So I love it because it means the most important players on the offense are on the field for these bull games. And that's so much better than, you know, obviously Florida's situation's a little bit more complicated because they had a player dismissed and a player opt for the NFL draft. But it's tough to go out there and win with a third or fourth string quarterback that hasn't had any reps.
1: Right. The Holiday Bowl is going to be really fun. we got Oregon, North Carolina, right? Bo Nix and Drake May. That's going to be great. That's on December 28th, December 29th. Now the Alamo Bowl, which is always a pretty good game. Washington, Texas, they both have both of their kind of elite quarterbacks with Michael Penix and Quinn Ewers. So that's going to be fun too. And, uh, yeah, Florida, they're down to Jack Miller, who's going to start, former Ohio State quarterback who uh, – Transferred to Florida, broke his thumb, and was basically out through November of this year. Hasn't obviously had any playing time, but uh, he will be the man when they take on Oregon State next week. So uh, it will be interesting to see that one. The College Football Sporting News College Football All-America team was released this morning, and uh, we wanted to um, publicize our work on that. And... We can go through real quickly. The first team, we went with uh, Caleb Williams, a quarterback. Blake Corum, Michigan, and Bijan Robinson of Texas. Those are our running backs. Those are pretty consensus out there. Wide receivers were Marvin Harrison, Jr., Ohio State, and Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee. Tight end, we went with Michael Mayer of Notre Dame. And then the offensive line, Peter Skoronsky Northwestern, Cooper, BB, Kansas State. Oh, help me, help me, Bill, with the center. Uh-oh. Victor,
2: <laughs> Vic, Victor or just say Victor, it's easier. Victor okay. Oluatimi, the uh, road grader at uh, Michigan. He won Michigan. like every trophy. Uh, guard Osiris Torrance from Florida, Alex
1: Polzinski at Illinois at the tackle, and our athlete, our, our sort of wild card uh, offensive position, Deuce Vaughn, Kansas State. First-team defense, we had USC defensive lineman Tuli to low uh, and uh, Jalen Carter from Georgia. Uh, Kalaji Kanti from Pitt, he was everywhere. Uh, our edge was Will Anderson in Alabama, linebackers. Butkus winner Jack Campbell of Iowa. Uh, Jamin Dumas-Johnson from Georgia and Ivan Pace, Cincinnati. And then in corners were Travi, Tra, Travius Hodges-Tomlinson, From TCU, he's getting ready for the Fiesta Bowl. Clark Phillips from Utah, unbelievable season for him. And then at safety, Cameron Kitchens from Miami. And Christopher Smith from Georgia, first-team kicker. Joshua Cardy, Stanford, 13 for 13 from 40 yards or more. Not bad. Punter, Adam Korsak, the Australian from Rutgers. Uh, He was the Ray Guy winner. And then uh, our returner was Anthony Gould from Oregon State. We also have a second-team list in there. Bill, we had some debates, obviously, as we were putting the, uh, the team together. One uh, that was difficult was a tight end. Michael Mayer versus Brock Bowers. Uh, I've seen Bowers first team some places, second team Mayer. You know, it was really six of one, half dozen of the other. I think Bowers won the Mackey, right? Uh, we went with Mayer. Uh, what went through your mind during that debate?
0: Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I mean, tough
2: decision. I, it's You're right either way, you're wrong either way, and I hate yeah. those because yeah. maybe we should have went double tight. I, I've seen, so Bowers won the Mackie, but I think, just so hard because i like that that's probably the toughest one we had um i think so but i think we still made the right decision i think meyer um i always emphasize with our all-american team which 40 news has done since 1934 that it's never when i tell other people about our selection process yes we have a committee a panel of guys you and me in there and um there are just some decisions that are brutal and you know that that was one of them It, it was tough but i don't think too many people are like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you did that because is a good candidate as well. Um, both are going to have great NFL careers. Both are going to be very successful tight ends for a long time. So I think we got it right, but had we picked Bowers, I would have been cool with that too.
1: I agree. Bowers was – you know, he had stretches where he would look like the most dominant player on the field. My argument for Mayer was he played with a backup quarterback the whole season – uh, they do not have good wide receiver court. Notre Dame, he was basically the offense. It's very difficult for a tight end to carry an offense. Um, great hands. And I think scouts feel like he's a better, a little bit of a better blocker than Bowers. Uh, you know, Bowers has uh, Darnell Washington, of course, at the other tight end position for them when they go double tight. So they, Georgia is uh, an embarrassment of riches at the position. Um, so that was sort of my, my feeling on Mayer was that, you know, I think Bowers was surrounded by a little more talent. Their numbers were very comparable. I think Mayer may have had more receiving yards, but when you add in Bowers, all his reverses, which were, you know, valuable and the great plays, um, the, the numbers ended up very, very similar. And uh, so I, I felt good about Mayer too. He was my pu- – I pushed it for him for first team. But like you said, you
2: can't really go wrong. Yep, and uh, you know that, that that was one of those things where with the the All American team because we only do two, others do three. That um, sometimes it's just tough to make some of those decisions. I mean, our secondary created a lot of decisions. We don't have to go into those, but I mean, they're really when there's only four corners and four safeties that there's going to be a couple that get left off. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, one another debate we had at. Uh,
1: you know, Caleb Williams was our first team quarterback, second team quarterback, Hendon Hooker and Max Duggan. So I talked a little bit about Hooker before versus Duggan. I think you pushed for Duggan. I was pushing for Hooker. Uh, what was your, I already gave my argument for Hooker. I thought he elevated his program. Uh Obviously Duggan did too, but um, you know, Hooker was just, he had his Heisman moment. He had his moment against Alabama and everything like that. And uh you know, Duggan was terrific, too. Uh, I was fortunate to talk to him last week. Uh, he's getting excited for the Fiesta Bowl. But what was your argument for Duggan over Hooker?
2: I mean, he's just, you know, he's he's definitely a guy that carried the – they're both good, but TCU did what Tennessee didn't. They made the playoff. They uh, beat a bunch of ranked teams, too. He maybe didn't have that signature game that Hooker had against Alabama. But, I mean, Duggan came in. Played well, even in their loss, played super well, had the numbers that, I mean, the numbers are what they are. He was a dual threat quarterback that put up a lot in the running game, put up a lot in the passing game. The intangible factor, I mean, you can't measure that, but I mean, obviously a team leader as well. And I feel bad for Hendon Hooker. I really do. Because if he doesn't get hurt, he's in New York. He's probably our second team pick. And I know we put Stroud in that discussion as well. So it was like a three way, mm-hmm. th- three way argument between Duggan, Hooker, and Stroud. And, you know, we all voted. And I always do it that way. We just all voted in kind of AP pool style. And it spit out Duggan as the winner. So, um, we're a democracy at Sporting News. We don't. It's not like I independently make, or you independently make all these decisions. It was, you know, that that's what I love about it too, is if it was mine, it probably, honestly, if it was mine, it would probably win Stroud on the second team. There would have been a good chance of that because I know I voted for Duggan, but mine was more Duggan versus Stroud, whereas our room was more Duggan versus Hooker. I don't understand
1: the, argue, the injury argument with Hooker. He only missed one game. I, I don't know if people felt like he missed more than that but he didn't <laughs> like Marvin Harrison missed a game. I don't never hear someone say, Oh, well he would have had a better season if he didn't miss that one game due to injury. So, um, looking at the list, anything else jumps out at your, your team that you want to, you want to no. talk about the first team, second team, the group of five guys, whatever.
2: No, it was fun to put together. Like I said, I mean, like a guy like Ivan Pace, two star guy out of Corrine high school in Cincinnati. Um, 100-plus tackles the last couple years. Guys like him are on there. Uh, First-team honors for him. Uh, Jack Campbell is one of the best (laughs) Iowa linebackers ever, and and very very cool that he got on there. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Blake Corum, it was another guy that got injured. Bajan Robinson, we're going to miss. A guy that – fourth all-time. I looked that up yesterday. So the only guys in Texas history with more rushing yards than him are Ricky Williams, Cedric Benson, and Earl Campbell. It's not Jeez. bad company to keep. No, that's uh, not. The, if you got to be behind three guys, that's not too bad. So good company there. Um, and then Cameron Kitchens, the the safety for Miami, a school that prides itself on safety play with, with guys like Ed Reed that I grew up watching and Sean Taylor. It's first All-American safety they've had since Sean Taylor. So, you know, again, it's I always take like when you posted it this morning, I give it an hour and then I kind of just, you know, kind of, Like, relax for a minute. I'm like, oh, that's over. And, you know, we'll do it again next year. It is something we definitely, because we're one of five outlets that determine the consensus, all Americans, we do take it very seriously. We very much enjoy it. We hate the guys that we leave, we hate that we have to leave guys off that are probably deserving. And we have that every year. I always tell a real quick, though, I tell people two stories. I was like, one, one year we had Miles Garrett versus Derek Barnett. And we ended up putting Garrett on the first team. And I took so much heat for not having Barnett on the first team. And every Sunday I'm like, I made the right choice. And then <laughs> uh, another one that I probably made the wrong choice is a couple of years ago had sauce Gardner on the second team and was feeling that one. Like, or no, I don't, I, we may not even had him on at all. So the next year I was like, yes, he's first team because I was very wrong about that. So, and he's doing all right on Sunday as well. So, you know, we enjoy it, but, uh, Thanks for your help on that and Elliot and Zach and the others that uh, contributed to make that happen. No question. Now, the guy that we didn't include in
1: our next year Heisman list is on our first team, and that's Marvin Harrison Jr. Do you think we could have another receiver? What's Ohio State's quarterback situation to see? Because that's the piece of the puzzle that you need. Um, But we have seen a receiver win it recently, right, with Devontae Smith. So could Marvin Harrison Jr. be a legit Heisman candidate next year?
2: Oh, yeah, and I don't think it matters who the quarterback is because all you have to do is get it close. Um, he, uh, he's got a chance, but the problem with – it was kind of the same problem when we did the Jackson Smith and Jigba story early in the year. I was kind of – I did that big profile on him, and, man, Bender Jinx at work there. But um, <laughs> the point when I was talking to Tim May, a great, good friend of mine, he's with Letterman Row, longtime dispatch writer, he told me – he's like, I don't think it can happen because they got to share so this is like when marvin's sharing with emeka gbuka and you know they've got two five-star freshmen coming in that are going to get touches and that was the beauty of how devonte did it part of it was he stepped in when waddle got hurt so can they share enough i mean a couple of years ago we had this is one of these takes that we're going to talk about for years is lsu had jefferson and chase on the field at the same time and you know those guys are not they're going to be pro football hall of fame receivers and they have a pro football hall of fame quarterback, probably in burrow. So it's hard, but um, Harrison does have a chance if it would take like a Devonte Smith like year. And he probably has to, which I don't think they're going to do as Devonte helped by the punt returns.
1: True. Yeah. I wouldn't risk Marvin Harrison on doing no, punt returns. I wouldn't do that. There's no reason to do that. So, um, All right. Well, that is it for us. We will be back uh, tomorrow for a second show. We will talk some bowls. We will talk some trivia. We will talk some first-year coaches and uh, hand out a report card on how some of those guys have done. Two of them were in our discussion for the National Coach of the Year. And uh, the the bar for first-year coaches in terms of turnaround – has certainly been raised by this group. Uh, six of them were in the top twenty-five, or I think uh, I don't have it in front of me right now. But it, it was an amazing year, and um, you know, college football fans, not really known for their patience, are going to be even less patient with uh, first-year coaches as we start to move forward. So, thank you, Bill, for your thoughts on Mike Leach and the Heisman and the All-America team. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back tomorrow here at CFB Nation All-America Podcast.